tonight is a sacred night. Tonight is not like any other night because tonight was heard the greatest message, the greatest proclamation that could ever be heard. The good news of the incarnation. That God, while remaining fully God, has also become fully man. That is what we are celebrating on this Christmas day. And uh, as a great mystery, how can we possibly even begin to understand what a great mystery that is? Well, I think we might be able to get a little bit of handle on it by remembering, and indeed, how could we forget after hearing our gospel today, that Jesus has a family tree. And indeed, Jesus has a family. Did you ever think of that? Of course, I have special reasons for thinking about it this year. Uh, this year, our parish is having a special uh, year of prayer for vocations to marriage and family life. You see, we have our uh, beautiful Holy Family statue that's placed here before the altar this year uh, to remind us of prayers, because we need good, strong Christian marriages and Christian family. But Jesus, again, this is kind of a remarkable thing. Jesus had a family. As God, he didn't need one. He could have simply gone, poof, and appeared here in the world in a fully human nature. But he didn't do that. He chose Mary. He chose Mary to be his mother, to share in her nature, her own flesh and blood, as every child does with its mother. And yet he didn't stop with Mary, even though she was all he needed for his human nature. He also chose Joseph to be his earthly father. Didn't need to, but he did. And in doing that, he really shows us that it was the holy family that was his chosen way, his vehicle for entering into our world, for bringing salvation and redemption to our world. And listen to me now. The truth is that Jesus wants to do the same thing through your family, to enter through his incarnation into the world through your family. Now you might say, well, my family is not a holy family. We've got a lot of problems going on. You know, if you even knew half the stuff that was going on in my family, uh, well, that's good in a way. We should be excited in a way because Jesus' family, as we heard in the genealogy, was even worse than yours or at least just as bad, you know. Uh, it, I want to talk about some of the, the characters, we can rightly say, uh, in Jesus' family tree, just three of them, uh, because they really bring this idea out that the incarnation happens in the family, that Jesus wants to uh, save and heal the world through the family. So the first one that stuck out in my mind was uh, the, we read that Jacob became the father of Judah and his brothers. Now, that is, of course, the 12 uh, patriarchs, the 12 sons of Jacob. And uh, you want to talk about a messed up family, right? There are four wives involved here. The father played favorites uh, with his sons. And, of course, the sons, they, uh, they didn't like each other so much that 10 of them decided to murder one of the other ones. And then they settled instead for selling him into slavery, right? So talk about sibling rivalry. We've got a lot of problems going on in this family. Now, maybe tonight, maybe tonight you're sitting next to a sibling or at least somewhat nearby, right? 
and uh, you know, your brother, your sister, why don't you look over at your brother or sister now, come on, look at each other, and uh, make a silly face. We don't know how this is. Sometimes as brothers and sisters, we don't really get along very well. But, but, there is hope for us. Because the, the way in which uh, Jesus was able to heal this family was, has to do with why the name of Judah comes up in the genealogy. Why would we say, why would they use Judah's name to represent the whole family? Was Judah the oldest of the brothers? No, that was Reuben. Was Judah the, the most famous of the brothers? No, that was Joseph. In fact, Judah was the one who had Joseph sold into slavery. So you might be like, why is Judah's name in this story like that so prominently? Well, it's because he, Jesus, is related to Judah. Judas, Jesus comes from the line of Judah. But it's more than just that they're related like that. Think of the story here now of Judah and his brothers. Years later, years after they've sold Joseph into slavery, those same brothers stand down there in Egypt, starving for food. They stand before Joseph, but they don't recognize that it's Joseph. And Joseph puts them to the test. And at that moment, it is Judah who admits to the sin of what he had done against his brother, who repents, and who even offers his own life in place of yet another brother. See, and in that moment, he is really becoming part of the family of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, even though he's not yet born, it is Jesus as God who is at that moment giving him the grace to repent, the grace to love. And see, that can happen in our family too. Just as Jesus can bring so much harmony to those brothers that Judah can be the name that represents them, in our family we can find that, uh, that unity if we are going to let Jesus uh, give us the grace to say that we're sorry and to uh, love someone else more than ourselves. So again, if you're sitting next to one of your siblings, this is true even if you're adult siblings, right? Look at each other. If you're still making faces, stop making faces. Look at each other, and this time, extend your hand and give each other the sign of peace, right? The peace of Jesus Christ. Give that to your brothers and sisters. That is what Jesus wants. That is what he is coming to give in the incarnation, the peace of Christ. Now, let's look at another figure. The next one that kind of struck my um, attention is Ruth. So we read about uh, Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Now, what's interesting, of course, about Ruth is uh, she was not an Israelite. She was a Moabite. She was uh, a Gentile, not really part of the family, you might say. How did she even get into this story? Well, she was a daughter-in-law of Naomi, a Jewish a woman, right? Maybe tonight you're sitting next to an in-law, or maybe you're getting ready to go to an in-law's house, or they're getting ready to come to yours, right? And uh, you know how in-laws are. We, uh, when you bring people together in a marriage, uh, when you bring two families together through marriage, there are different ideas, different opinions. Sometimes there's a conflict or, or a, you know, things going on there that create problems or division in our family. Maybe, maybe, just like Ruth, 
Uh, one of your in-laws is even, quite literally, a foreigner, someone from another country with culture shock and language barriers and all that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's not so much being a foreigner in a literal sense, but maybe it's that person in the family who uh, is, thinks differently than everybody else, right? They have different politics or practice a different religion or root for a different sports team, right? Um, sometimes we have problems in our family because of those kinds of differences, differences of background. Now, we, we, we look at Ruth. Is there hope for that kind of stuff? There is. Ruth, of course, and uh, Boaz, her husband, they become the, grand, the great-grandparents of David, the great king. And it is, of course, from David's line that we get Jesus. So, even though she was a foreigner, even though she was an in-law, God is preparing a way. Jesus is preparing his way to come through her. And the same thing can be true in our families, right? Uh, if we are willing to see those differences of opinion, those differences of background that sometimes crop up in our families, as something that God is doing that might be preparing a way. If we are able to keep an open mind and an open heart and love one another and believe that God has a plan for our family, just as he had a plan for Ruth, then Jesus can heal our family, become present in the incarnation in our family in the same way. So again, you know, if you happen to be sitting next to an in-law this evening, why don't you reach out and extend with one another the sign of peace that Jesus wants to give us today. Last one. So the, the other, one of the other great figures in Jesus's family tree is David, David the king, of course. And what we read, David became the father of Solomon, whose mother was the wife of Uriah. This reminds us, of course, of the terrible sin that David commits of adultery with Bathsheba, right? And, and uh, he is unfaithful. Now, perhaps tonight, you're sitting next to or close to your spouse. And uh, spouses, you know, uh, we all know that we have not been perfectly faithful to the vows that we made when we got married. There are certain resentments, certain pains, certain regrets that uh, still lie beneath the surface of our marriage. There are certain emotional and mental walls that we have put up against each other to protect ourselves. Can there be healing in this relationship? Because, of course, the worst uh, divisions and problems and pains that can happen in a family happen when there is this kind of division between spouses, because marriage is the foundation of every family. Is there hope? Is there healing for that? Yes, because we see what happened with David. Uh, we know that David, when he was confronted with this sin, he acknowledged it. He humbled himself before God, and he repented. And he did penance for his sins. Not just the penance that he inflicted upon himself, but the far more terrible penance that God inflicted upon him. And so we are able to say, truly, that uh, David and Bathsheba, they became the parents of Solomon. What does Solomon mean? It means peace. 
So from this terrible, uh, disgusting sin of adultery, because, again, just like with Judah, Jesus is there. He is the one who gives David the grace to repent. He is the one who gives David the grace to become part of God's family. And by that power of the incarnation, there is peace between uh, David and his wife. And so, again, for, for us as well as, as uh, spouses, you know, if we are willing to be like David, to humble ourselves before God uh, and before each other, to repent for our sins, we too can receive peace, the peace of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I encourage all of the spouses who are here this evening, if you're close enough to each other, extend your hands, look into each other's eyes, see there by the power of the sacrament of holy matrimony, the presence of Jesus Christ, and give each other that sign of peace that Jesus wishes for you. Go on, do it. So anyway, of course, we could go on. We could go on and talk about, you know, uh, uh, Rahab the prostitute and how Jesus forgives sinners. We could go on and talk about Ahaz, the most terrible king that Israel ever had, and how he, he is still part of uh, God's uh, line, just as we might have people in our families who have committed crimes or be in prison or done all kinds of things, right? Jesus is the answer to all of the problems in our family. He is the one who brings healing to all of the problems in our family because he has become one with us through the family. So this Christmas, as we gather around our nativity sets, as we gather around our Christmas tree with our family, I encourage you to look around Look around at the faces that are gathered there with you and know that these are the people that Jesus has chosen to be in your life, through whom he wants to come to you as Emmanuel, God with us, and through you he wants to come to them as Emmanuel, God with us. He is the healing that our family needs. He, is, he has come to forgive the sins of his people. He is the Word made flesh, Christ Jesus the Lord.